welcome to Marsha's Plate. This is an interview episode where we talk to friends, family, other community members, and anybody else we want to talk to. <laughs> hey brother, hey brother, hey sister, hey sister, hey sibling, how are you? Hey brother, hey brother, hey sister, hey sister, hey sibling, how are you? How you been doing? Just checking in today. So we all are fans of P Valley, and we just ended with the amazing season finale. So I wanted to bring um, everybody together. Dominique had posted on Facebook, "Hey, I want to be invited <laughs> to <laughs> to a conversation." And I said, "Well, shit, come on, bring it on to March's plate." So I decided to bring Dominique Morgan. Brianna Jenkins and Vernus McFarland <laughs> to come talk about the season finale. So welcome everybody. Y'all all have been on the show before. Hell, <laughs> yes. Kiki together very recently on on the on the thing. So exactly, it's good to be with everybody. So we see a lot of um think like characters that are possibility models in these in these kind of really strong culture shifting shows that we have seen in the past five years when we think about pose when we think about um um p valley especially pose in the last um the last season it was a lot of uh, imagining what it could be and you know things like that and so i think that it that it can be useful to showcase possibilities of things, even if it's not really reflected of the of the realism that we might see in the real world. But I also think it's useful to share um, the realities of the situation. How do y'all feel about what we have been seeing depicted in these kind of queer center stories that you know people are daring to tell? I think the beautiful part about a possibility model is that it's just that a possibility. It's not a hundred percent. It's not the road you have to take. And that last season of Pose, it it was great because honestly, there are moments where we're like, "Girl, is that really go? Girl, that couldn't have happened." But also, why couldn't ha- why couldn't it have happened? Right. I, I love those moments that make me call myself in and be like, "Why would I say that to myself?" And then to juxtapose that against. Some of the things we saw in this season of P Valley, and P Valley, and I think especially for Uncle Clifford, those moments happen, right? It's it's what happened in between the grand um, fairy tale moments. That what I loved is that I feel like they showed those parts as well. I think that last season of Pose felt like it was completely in a fairy tale space. Like there was really no the lows weren't really lows from what like in those moments compared to P Valley when I was like I was excited for those moments and then I also was like the difficult moments felt real as well they didn't feel like they were difficult just to make us seem like we have difficult lives it was a ebb and flow that was natural Mm. so everybody knows the last season of Pose Wow you know we're, we're happy for the impact that the show has had in community it's been like a lot of it was kind of like unrealistic and not to say that um trans women and femmes aren't in love or don't get married because we all on this call know people who have been married or in or are in relationships like that but just kind of the grandioseness it felt unrealistic 
The thing I love about P Valley is just the um it's the visuals of the situation. So to see somebody that looks like Big Clifford be in these type of situations, though I, I'm not non-binary, there's something about Uncle Clifford that I identify with with um Uncle Clifford, her presenting as this heavy set, dark skinned, fat, like like somebody that is visibly queer and that can be loved in that way. And something that I was thinking about too, would the storyline have popped or would it have made the impact that it has made if Clifford was presented in like a binary trans feminine way? Because I, I, I feel like part of it is getting people outside of our community to see that to to see that queerness and to wrestle with it and and be uncomfortable with it, but in the end to see that it's all about love. And when we talk about you know what does the movement work look like? What does shifting culture um, look like for the people that are on the front lines and for the people who we hope receive the benefit? Like. Bitch, a bitch gets tired, a bitch needs love, a bitch needs affection. So the fact that I, as somebody that sees myself kind of represented in Uncle Clifford, um, it was something that even, it, it was something that feels real for me because I've been in situations like that while still being aspirational to like not close those parts of myself off. Because, like, love is necessary to, like, all of our survivals and mm. the time that we're living in. I just, going back to what Dominique said, it's, ever, it's the parts of the story that are told um, in between that um, kind of makes the portrayal on Pete Valley seem a little bit more real, authentic, and relatable for me. I think it's, it would not have the same impact. And I think I think it's the beautiful uh, the beautiful thing about having so many stories out here that people are telling and actually getting people getting the opportunity to tell our stories is that yes, we've seen the high film girls like Angel messing around with Stan and and Poppy. And then we need this visibly queer person um, happen. That's why it's important to have different stories because that one story can't tell all of our story. And so, and I totally get how you could feel like there is some overlap because I feel the same overlap. But we know that with all of our experience, if you're talking about overlap from the high film trans woman to the um, to the um, to the to the um, not so passable trans woman to the high film gay man who likes to dress in girls' clothes to the feminine gay man, we're all going to have some type of overlap especially when it comes to dealing with men there is going to be some overlap in our experience so i think it's important we don't a lot of times we don't fucking like to acknowledge it but we definitely for me if we're being real with ourselves there's going to be a lot of overlap and some single uh, single out experiences too but definitely overlap you know for me um as as the trans non-binary person that um identify as film that wear nails that you know, all of the things, you know, I think that a lot of what Uncle Clifford represents resonates with me. Um, I think a lot of the experiences shared by Uncle Clifford are experiences that I have indulged in. In fact, 
girl, it's been days that I don't sit around with my trade uh, and 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 watch the P Valley, then watch the girls go down to the valley, okay? Um, <laughs> and even have and, and even have had questions um, and conversations with, with the trade while sitting there about P Valley and like want to understand you more as an individual, how you maybe how you even ended up at my front door, um, you know, and those things. And I think that in, in the spirit of overlap and in the spirit of even, you know, having these conversations and knowing that representation, you know, representation is important. I think it's also too important too to bring up like the shy. Because what I have, you know, I had to sit down with my auntie Chevelle one day um, and we had a conversation about some of the things that people were bringing up in correlation um, to P-Valley. Um, but people, it's like people ain't even seen the shy and the shy has multiple black trans women in, yes. in the show who are carrying out relationships with one of the main characters in the show in in both a very public and in a very private way mm. that's the thing that hits me is those girls on the shy look the way they think the girls are supposed to look mm. and this was different because what hits me even with listening to you all when Lil murder asked uncle clifford to fill him up uncle clifford no wig no makeup in bed, given what you give when you roll over with your skull cap on, um, you you know all the things that that was one of the most intimate moments they had, and there was not nails, there was not all of that to it, and I think that's that I think that's what's touching a lot of people who may never look like a girl from from the girls that's on the shy or the girls that were in post or may never want to, is that someone who leans into femininity, someone who looks, I've never seen anyone call Clifford beautiful in any reviews or conversations. They've talked about her hair and all those other things, right? But someone that no one really is talking about, I wanna aspire to look like them, but we know Uncle Clifford looks like so many of us and so many people we have that's getting their things or that's figuring out what their things are. And that love happens to be a piece of it, and the and and the pink is a piece of it, and they fought for it, and they were unapologetic about it. As somebody who does watch the show, although I know it's a new a new trans love interest on that show, I haven't watched it because I ain't like how they did my girl Armani. But the song that Uncle Clifford and Little Murder danced to, "Love Ballad" by LTD, that was also a song that played um, when. It, but when there was like a romantic scene between um, Luke James and Amani, the Amani tra trans woman character on that side. So I, I kind of thought that that was cute that in this like queer, black queer moment, we still link it to like black songs from like the black love canon because ultimately it's an expression um, of black love. I hope that moving forward, Specific, specifically as somebody that I don't, I'm not in entertainment, but like one of my like bucket list things that I want to do is I want to create some type of like TV show that like follows like the regular, regular like black trans woman like myself, like Hedy said, to kind of just show that we just have regular lives, dealing with the and all of that. I hope that just like the impact that shows like the Shy and P Valley will have when we are telling stories, particularly of like binary black trans women, that we can kind of break out of this thing. And this is why we need like non-binary folks to kind of help move us along and why they're 
an intricate part of our movement. So we can kind of break out of the boxes because it's a binary trans woman that like this hot or like to or that have experiences that even though we are women and we present ourselves in women, some of us do hold a queer identity and it's necessary to how we see the world and how we move. And I just don't want our stories to just put into a box of just like being a, a woman and not kind of like utilizing like those that trans magical energy that we indeed have. And I kind of going back to that scene where, but even though Uncle Clifford um, did look the most quote unquote masculine in the moment, it was still like a ton of energy about her as she was copying Little Murder. And Mur Little Murder was still, even though he was bottoming, he was still like masculine. And that's something that I have to negotiate with my partners. Like, just because you do these sexual acts, like, I'm still going to see you as a man. Like, you're still a man. And that is just so real. And it just speaks to the gift of trans people and transness to just see, like, to the soul of people beyond these, like, this performance of womanness and manness. Like, um, so I just hope that moving forward, that the writing, particularly about, like, Black trans women and femmes, that we're able to, like, crush more boxes and just like explore more territories of what it really means to be us and navigate through life, love, career, and all of those. When I internally shattered all those boxes of having to see my boyfriend as a man, having to see um, all these all these things and rules about what I'm supposed to do with my body, I did not stop. I did not start getting the pleasure that I fully enjoyed until I knocked down all those boxes. I didn't, I, I, when I, when I wasn't worried about if I am um, being seen as a girl, bottoming started to be even better. When I wasn't worried about um, how my man was sounding when I'm topping, topping started to be even better. Even j just me using my body in various queer ways, having to figure it out. Same thing that I was doing on when I'm when I'm projecting my um, my gender expression on the world. When I didn't have titties, how did I figure out how to make it look like I had titties? Same thing in my sexual place. This body that I have right now, how am I getting to the point of my orgasm? How am I getting to the point of my pleasure? How am I getting him to the point of his pleasure? Full pleasure, not just one-sided pleasure. I don't want to have one-sided sex. I want us all to be fully embodied in our sex and fully um, feeling the, the most capacity of physical pleasure that we can. And so sometimes that's going to include using my penis in various queer ways. And so for me, when I let all of that stuff go, it allowed me to be able to not only center my pleasure, center a phys physical pleasure that we both can actually enjoy without the world coming into our private sexual lives and making us have these parameters, being free. That's when it allowed me to be free, when I was done with all of that. And I start having the best sex of my life. Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my 
finger on the post of the community. And I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here. So you're not only helping to sustain us, you're helping to sustain other people in a community. Because I put my money where my mouth is. You know, that's just the kind of bitch I am. Community is fuck. <laughs> so thank you. I really, really appreciate you. And if you have not become a patron, why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> all righty anyway thank y'all and the patreon and paypal link is at the bottom back to the show these friendships between queer people and cis people at the pink i think they are really rare to see and i'm talking about cis people being friends and loyal to queer people on film um one one of them that really comes to mind when i think that didn't have anything to do with the pink was Corey wise ava duvernay's central park five um with Corey wise and his trans sister played by isis king even though her mother was like oh you you with this faggot shit you with this trying to be a girl shit Corey was still loyal to his sister throughout the show and i thought that was a beautiful moment and so when i think about um P Valley and how Big L is and and Diamond is loyal to Uncle Clifford and um and and how Mississippi is loyal in keeping the secret and friendship with um, Little Murder and then um, even uh, Mercedes with the the law looking at it and not and not responding in a you gay type of situation when she does get the hint that is it's actually Uncle Clifford that he fucking with and so not turning this into a big thing and even you know their friendship when when we first see it back in in season one and 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 Little Murder let Mercedes listen to his song Remember, she was like, this is whack, my nigga. But then in the, at the end of this, this season, this is a full circle moment where she actually is stamping his song and coming back on her game after having that arm injury and not and really fucking up and blah, blah, blah. She come back and doing the splits and jumping off on, on his song when he having his moment, letting him know that this song and what y'all talking about, this resonates with me and this shit is fire. Letting you know that I'm putting my stamp of approval because you giving me my rides as a legend. I'm letting you know that this right here, that shit was whack last season, but this shit right here, this is fire. So can we talk about these friendships that um, that we see? Because I don't really see that often. These are cishet men, Diamond and Big L, being loyal to Uncle Clifford. Tell me what y'all think about these things being shown on film. The obvious one is the, the relationship and just like the power that Uncle Clifford exudes around um, her community. But the, the one that warms my heart is the one between um, Keyshawn and Lil Murder because it's just like in, 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 in the real world that could be so antagonistic and Keyshawn could really like wield that like information to really to really kind of level the playing field and it, it I just love I, it show, it, I, think it, I think I like the relationship because it shows how like the transamorous men that pursue us that might not be open, they they need relationships like that where they're able to kind of like be 
open and honest with their attractions and they can kind of work through it that doesn't involve um, the romantic partners that they have because it, it takes the labor off the, it takes the labor off the romantic partner to kind of have to work through, just like Keyshawn was able to help him with like basic communication skills, something that a lot of niggas struggle with just communicating um, romance and affection and everything, like the scene where she was helping him write the postcards back to Uncle Clifford and just, her just asking about how Uncle Clifford would feel if he went on that tour. It, 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 I think it, it speaks to the larger thing that these men that pursue us, they need, they need communities, they need support outside of their romantic partner just so that they can like work through their shit and come back and show up and be a better partner for the, the people that they're in love with. So that, that really, um, that really, t- and it just showed how I like how even Keyshawn with all of her faults, it showed that the, the bro clock was wrong twice a day. Like she she did have some moments of um clarity and even though her some of the decisions she made annoyed me, it showed how when she wanted to, it was a it was a very redeeming quality for her that kept me with her through this season, even though a lot of the choices that she made in her own personal life is like, girl. But I'll turn it back over to the the council. It was two, you know, relationship dynamics that really stood out to me, right? The first one would have to be Wody and Little Murder, right? To have somebody that is that ride or die for you, who, who know your deepest and darkest secrets, right? And really don't give a damn. What they care more about is that your persevering, your well-being, somebody that I'm connected to making it up out of here in this means better for all of us, no matter what, you know, and how it goes about. And so be, having this friend that's willing to protect you, your, your vision of what you have for self in mind and your greater good at all costs was just fucking mind-blowing. I mean, granted, it was to an extent to murder someone, right? Um, and not just for little murder, but like you said, Brandon, but for Keyshawn as well, knowing the fact that he had this evidence uh, that he could use uh, to harm little murder and his reputation. But not only that, you know, this person that was just so ride or die for everybody that he was connected with. He found out that uh, old boy tried to rape Keyshawn. And, and for him, that was enough. Like, oh, for him, okay, y- your fuck boy is showing. So I got to... I, I got to come and do whatever I got to do for my people, right? And so it, it was that dynamic that was just mind-blowing blowing for me just to have that that sense of a dynamic, you know, from somebody who, who in my experience, in my com- community, know that you are queer or gay and instead of trying to distance themselves from you, they're still in relationship with you and trying to protect your safety okay. uh you know so that was that was mind-blowing for me but another one was um ernestine ernestine's connection with clifford and little murder right for your grandmother to know that you have this you are for the lack of a better word in this entanglement uh with with this man right and and know and 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 she knows that you deserve this love that you deserve that all things that 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 is being presented to you right she's even telling you like 
nigga, you have this man FedEx in your front door, and you still ain't even biting, right? Your grandmother is seeing this, and to and, be in this, and she can't even see. She's feeling she it. She she's feeling it, baby. She hear it in his voice. <laughs> blind as hell, okay. Blind as, as a bat, as we say in the south, okay. But but still, like you said, she's able to feel and recognize this this sense of love and being and connection between these two people, and knowing that her her grandchild, right, who probably have experienced all kind of unmentionable harm that has not been mentioned in this show, is worthy of love. And and, and, and and should have that and possess it. Mm. Amen. I agree with all of that. And it also kind of pushes back on this idea that everyone has to be thoroughly educated to see people and respect people and love people in the way they deserve. Come on. As as many right, many of us have been in roles where we are doing trainings and education and you know, that's real, like uh, delivering of of, 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 of of vocabulary and things that does create change. But I think what sits with me with the pink is that they talk, they say some real ignorant shit about a lot of stuff, but never about Uncle Clifford, <laughs> never about Little Murder, like, right? And and I think that for me, that shows that like, these are just, these are black folks who have, are fighting out of poverty in, in this small community. ACLU ain't showing up in that city. Glad ain't coming to that city doing training. Come on now. They just know, they just know Uncle Clifford is a people that love is love and we all are trying to get up out this thing and we've been in this together and i think i think that's a larger call into black community of you cannot get to the other side without us those sis, those cis girls at the end of the day especially the this season coming in and talking about the pandemic without clifford being the stabilizing piece even with autumn having the money there Clifford is the key catalyst to many of them getting access and care, even Keyshawn having this plan to escape. If you don't have that night of making that money, mama, you don't get there, right? And so I think that's, for me, a real statement of our overall experience as Black folks. Y'all got to start figuring this out. Yeah, you can take the training or you can just say, listen, I may not understand everything but i see this person in front of me i know i know people deserve love i know people deserve respect and my my freedom my liberation is intrinsically tied to theirs and that's what p valley is about they all are tied to each other in some way of how they get to the other side of of, of what they're seeing as their day-to-day -day struggle mm. i also think we got to see the antithesis of it Specifically in that last scene from that last episode between Uncle Clifford and Autumn, how she kind of thought if she would just throw money at Uncle Clifford that solve all of their problems. And Uncle Clifford kind of, and I think a lot of people catch this, it's like, this place is more than uh, a building for me. This is where I feel safe. This is where I have purpose. And where can I be like this? Where can I have this much freedom? Where can I have this much power? outside like somebody that looks like me can't go somewhere even if i have the all of the money in the world just because of the way that the, the world is set up and these systems that are stacked against me i can have all the money in the world but i will still fail because i won't be connected to my community i won't be able to have power i won't be able to have freedom and though to you this place might not be worth a lot of money to me it's worth so much more because 
I get to have power and I get to be in community with folks and I get to be affirmed in my identity. And you kind of see that disconnect um, between Uncle Clifford and Autumn, which results in her leaving. But I, I, I think when we, when we say, well, maybe th this, this world is too much set in fantasy. No, that, that's a very much, much reality, especially in the South where they're actively like legislating against like queer folks. If I have a safe space that I can be myself and um, roam around, to me, you can't put a, a, a price on that. You really can't um, put um, a price on that. And like community is so important to us. It's, it's how we survive, it's how we have survived. So I'm, I'm glad that they were able to kind of like slip that um, nugget in there to just kind of uh, show Uncle Clifford's motivation beyond the obvious of just keeping that club because it's not her family, um, but just with that club and with that environment um, and what those relationships like really mean to her. And this bubble is my home, and I and one of the relationships that I want to. Um, and I have built relationships with this with people within this bubble. And one of the relationships that I want to talk about is Uncle Clifford and um, Corbin Kyle. Like when we think how he was able to play um, Autumn was because of his relationship and long term friendship, not just the sexual freak stuff, but long term friendship. He is Uncle Clifford is Kyle's confidant. When he's going through his shit, Uncle Clifford, him meet in that little field and talk and be his therapist. And it ain't, and yeah, they might have a history of sexuality, I, but I in the Exactly. Her most powerful when she's on that field. In her exactly. Affair. With her parasol or with something. You know, this is when she is, when she is in when she is demonstrating why she is important to this community. Why she can why she can actually exist in this bubble, in this world that they are creating where somebody can say, Oh, nobody could ever exist like this. I'm one of those people because mm -hmm. I'm some I I'm one of them people who has literally lived in Mississippi, rural Mississippi. And so in that space with the corrupt white people, and when I first seen this show, I was like, mm, I, I don't know if this is what would actually exist because of the how corrupt rural Mississippi is when it comes to the white power and the conservative nature of 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 that. But what the what the great writing does is indicate how this person could exist in this world in in Chuckalisa that they are creating and so i love that kind of black market connection that you never know is what's going to come out because one thing that i do know is that many times trey being loyal to this dick has saved me <laughs> it's really this it reminded me of the prison yard in a lot of ways there were so many times when I would have to go over there to the Mexican gangs because no other black person could go over there because something was about to go down and somebody was about to get beat up or hurt or mm -hmm. happen to deal with the white supremacists because listen, this folk like you, I saw Uncle Clifford when I talk about center, the catalyst of also could go anywhere around anyone. I think it was that funeral day when was tipping up to the church, I mean, to the house. And it was just like, that. there's nowhere that Uncle Clifford can't go and not be Uncle Clifford, no matter what they presented as. Remember the, the barbershop? No matter where mama went, the power was the same. And I think that is real. And we all have that. We, I think most of us have that dude that we done been around for 10 years or something. And 
there, there, there's this weird intimacy to it. And I think that's another piece of P-Valley that was real where there's this beautiful thing that we hope is gonna happen with Uncle Clifford and, and Little Murda, but also when you've had to, when you've had to figure out how to uh, muddle something out of something that's not perfect, like a relationship with an Uncle Clifford or a Corbin, that resonates as well that you're not the only one who has had to take what you have and make it what you really want it to be, um, even when it's not perfect. Um, and I, I also, I also connect Uncle Clifford and Corbin to Corbin being biracial. I see a lot of biracial people struggle with figuring out how they can be rooted in their blackness. I think the, the closest opportunities that Corbin would root himself in his blackness was with Uncle Clifford. Come on. And and I and I think that I think that also resonates in the in the space of trans folks, non-binary folks, just feminine energy, how men will siphon that off of us no matter what, regardless of our genitalia, because that black female feminine energy is something that they they really star for. And mm -hmm. that's real. Like I would watch it. I feel like those are the moments that you saw the most authentic, open Corbin. And I think that was related to him tapping into his blackness in, 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 in kind of some real ways. Come on now. Previously, I think this kind of piggybacks off what you said, um, Dominique, about um, Uncle Clifford being like the, the center of this, of this universe and the, and the catalyst of m be, people's protection and their change and um, all the things that we see around the people that are orbiting around Uncle Clifford. It reminds me of, and are we gonna get a little bit academic? Um, it reminds me of um, Dr. Joy James. Um, I talked about this before, if you, you know, if you listen to the show, her, her concept of a captive maternal. And one of her, one of the things that she talks about is how there are people in community who sacrifice their all to, to create a home for people who are being harmed by the systems and harmed by the state. This brings me to the last is just the captive maternal. Like I'm totally fascinated by the notion of an ungendered phenomenon whose generative powers have been stolen by the state. But this is the, this is the persona that if you call them at two in the morning because you're just crying on the floor in your bathroom, they will come over and get you. Like this is a captive maternal that allows your nervous system to function and for you to show up in these ratchet, you know, schools, and I'm not talking about this one, but like, you know, public schools or any kind of schools that denigrate you and don't give you a real education or these jobs where you're laboring in these like factories where you get damaged or poisoned. But the, here's our bind. We keep our communities functioning because we love them. We will not abandon them even when they turn on us because we love them. And the state uses that labor to stabilize itself. Because we keep our communities from going crazy, just like they kept us from going crazy. And that labor is expropriated by the state. So now I'm like, so what's, what's next for the captive maternal? Like, what's the exit plan? Like, you're not going to leave your community behind. And you're not going to stop helping and nurturing and healing. But every time we stabilize, they build upon that stability and enforce another form of theft. Trauma, time theft, loss, 
for productivity to a state that you find, you know, hor horrific. Professor Bogues, like, writes and talks about Maranage. I mean, other people do. It's just the exit door. I'm totally fascinated about how you tunnel out. And then, of course, we'd have to figure literally how to get people out of prison so that they come with us. But I, you know, this may sound weird, but do you see the beauty in that? Like, it's an impossible task, but it's one completely worthy of you. I think in this story, in this, in the, in the nature of what we see at the pink and what the pink is, is so many captive maturtles coming together and being intertwined. When we think about, um, um, when we think about Mercedes, when we think about anybody who called the pink home and how they try to, you know, give what they can to make this thing work and come back, even if they kind of stray away, they come back like Mississippi and um, even Diamond going to work for the little family dollar or Dollar General and then coming back. And, you know, you can say they always kind of come back home. And so when I think about how she talks about how, like, you know, this is the person that when you are crying and on the floor ready to kill yourself, they come in, even if they tired and been to work, they come in to save you. And so um, how do y'all feel about about this showing up in your own lives. I know what all three of you do. I know what all three of, three of your contributions to community is. I know sleepless nights because we individually have talked about things that we've done and sacrifices that we have made and, you know, shit that we have to do in our communities. How do you feel about being the the Uncle Clifford in your circle, that people are orbited around you? How do you feel when you are being betrayed? How are you feeling when you have given a sacrifice and given so much to people? Can y'all talk to me about your experiences in being that captive maternal in your circle? <laughs> I know um, it's a little deep, but honey, let's go. We real. Oh, <laughs> it is. And it's so crazy because this is something that I have been dealing with most recently. Uh, I actually reached out to Dominic <laughs> about it, which, you know, being in this circle where people orbit around and having, you know, like you said, having all of these people ciphering off of you and feel like to some degree it's your responsibility to offer up pieces and parts of you uh, to these people in order to sustain better and grow community. Um, and it, it's hard at times because it's like, where does where does Vernon starts and stop and where does community picks up and in in that right and, and it's also and connected to your own survival right and that's what i mean right so like in doing these things for people when do i cut that off and say well no this is what Vernon has to do to for Vernon to to survive or thrive or grow or to do all of these things that I'm doing for people, right? And then I also look at like the flip side of it, and I, you know, and I've been in conversation with people who have talked about this as a as a as a byproxy of this, but also dating as a, in, within the community as well, like and how far that is when you are responsible for people in in a in a communal way. And then trying to participate in that same community 
um, for partners or relationships or whatever the case may be, it's it's hard because people see you as a resource. People see you as this person that can provide all of these things and can shift lives or whatever the, you know the concept is people see you as that and 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 how do you how do you navigate genuine and authentic connections from those that are seeing you as a opportunity or commodity or commodity i um, so I, I moved to Atlanta on August 2nd, August 3rd was my last day at the Oka project after I just had left black and pink in June. And I share that to say for the last today's what the 17th. So for the last 15 days, I've woken up and I haven't been responsible for figuring out some issue that the world has created. And even in the midst of me figuring out what's next for me, it's been such a relief to not be a catalyst. At the same time, I've had to ask myself, do I love, because I've had people who I respect say, well, of course you need to start your own nonprofit or, or you need to come here and do this. And I've had to ask myself, is this really even what I wanna do? Just because I can do it, just because I'm good at it, just because um, I've had impact. Is this for me at this point? I'm in, in, in February, it'll be 14 years post my incarceration. And I just started feeling free real recently. Um, and I think that's, when I look at Uncle Clifford and this kind of juxtaposition you've you've laid out for us, Diamond, I think that's what's real. It's great to be the center because you know you're you know you're, you're you know you're necessary. You know what's next for you in that day. You you your life becomes very even when there's ridiculous things happening. You know that what your role is. I am figuring out what my role is now, and it's scary, but I'm excited. I'm trying to ask myself like. Who is Dominique without being, without executive director in my title? Like my first little thing this weekend is SOS. And I'm like, what, when they ask me about my title, what am I going to say? I haven't had to think about that in seven years or well, 10 years. You know, even when I was working in sexual health, I had a title. I don't have a title right now. Or, or maybe I do and I haven't decided what that is. You know, asking myself those questions, thinking about that and also how sometimes being the catalyst wounds you so much that you inherently just don't want community. I, I really believe if I didn't have friendships like, like the ones I have with Diamond and Aria and, and, and some of these other Black trans women, I would really be in a space right now where I would be like, fuck community. Mm. If, I, if I did not have relationships that I knew were healing and authentic and real, I would be struggling right now because being that center has affected me a lot because as Vernon said, your everything is in that world. Your friends, your your homies, sometimes who you land with, somebody, all of it is in the workspace. So if the workspace blows up, right? Like as Clifford said, you know, not only what not where would I be, who would I be? Mm. I'm asking myself right now, who is Dominique Morgan? And and I think that's I without think it's healthy. It's with without the pink. Without yeah. the pink, 
without that, like, am I still, like, am I still Dominique? Like, what does that, what does that mean? Um, and I'm, I'm excited to figure that out on the flip side every day I'm watching, specifically Black trans films being told the only way to have some sort of lived experience that feels like you can succeed is going into the pain. The nonprofit industrial complex is our version of the pain. Come on now. All the, like, cause many of us have tried to have Mercedes last dance. <laughs> and, and, and then it's like, you know, Mayor Woodbine done stole our money and bitch we Come had to on. go back. And you know, and then the girl, you know, the girls fall and break themselves and not all of us get a diamond that can do some root work and pull it out of us, right? So I don't want to be in that position where I'm up on the pole shaking and my arm is telling me to get down. Um, and that's what I'm thinking about. What is, and while also not wanting to live a life where I'm not a part of my community being better, but does that mean that that has to be my job? Does that mean that that has to be how I make it? Um, and, and those are difficult questions. And I know a lot of my friends are asking themselves that. And I understand for people who are just like, instead of going through all that, baby, I'm just going to go back to the pink and I'm going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like at certain points in my life, I have been detective maternal, but me deciding to like step away from my organization in 2015 and really um, do things for me. I'm really at a point in my life where to me, it's about pouring into like the youth, pouring into the other trans folks. Because Brianna, Aeon, I have to have a life for myself. Like, I'm at a point where the world is going to be the world. In my personal life, in my relationships, whether they be romantic or friendship or familial, a bitch needs emotional support. And I feel like because I've been able to decenter myself and step down and um, do the path to find out who I am at the core, what are my needs? Can I still be in relationships with folks if you don't need me or if I don't present myself in a way where I can save you? Do you still want to be connected with me? I've been able to answer a lot of those questions for myself and find out the, the things that I need for me. I, too, have recently um, relocated. So I'm, I've been living in uh, Houston, Texas since um, the beginning of August. And... I lived in Chicago. I lived into DC. And one of the things about Welcome. Me, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I, I've been keeping it under Kept that low, bitch. Bitch, kept it low. Because if somebody would ask me today where they can find mama, I'd be like, oh, she up there in DC somewhere, girl, to uh, around. To get out. But I like being the new girl. I like coming into the city incognito and really like being in community amongst the people, amongst our people. Because I really, I want to get to know you. I want to see the good, the bad, so I can make the decision whether to befriend you. I don't want you to know about who I am or what I, what I do. Because, and even at my job that I work out now, even though it's technically a community job, I'm very clear with my boundaries. Once six o'clock hits on East Coast time, I am signed out. I am done. I can't do anything because I don't. I don't have the capacity. I, I I see so many of our elders in our community that have done this work that have either burnt out, that have severe health issues because they dedicated everything to the community, community 
they're facing criminal impending criminal charges or civil suits because they stayed in too long and didn't get out of the plan. And even before I left to go to law school, I said that was not going to be. I am going to have a full life. I'm going to take advantage of opportunities. I'm going to be vulnerable. Like I want when this all said and done, the thing that I want to show for me having lived my life is just me having a full well-rounded life and some of us in community kind of use work and use the the movement to kind of run away from ourselves and run away from um, our issues and it, it it really shows and i just i didn't want to be um that person so i'm just so happy where that i'm at a point in life where i can make decisions and me being a sagittarius i always make decisions I make my decisions based on the amount of freedom that I have once I am in those decisions. So I, I'm so happy to just be in a place where I'm making decisions that feel the best for me. And I'm just letting the chips fall where they may with people that I'm in relationship with. And everybody doesn't need to be attached to you. Everybody doesn't need to show up for you. That doesn't mean that you're less of a leader. It doesn't mean that you care any less about the community or the movement in the direction that it's moving in. It's just me realizing that I am a human. I have limitations. I have capacities. I have desires. And I have wants. And I have the right to um, center myself because if I don't take care of me, nobody else will. So I kind of, I see the need for a captive, captive maternal and taking care of everybody. But at some point, we, we as leaders have to realize that we are human and that we, we are entitled to take breaks. We are entitled to be in relationships with ourselves. And if you want to step away, you should be able to step away and the whole thing not fall apart. And if it does fall apart, that means that you did something wrong and you need to kind of go back to the drawing board. I learned that lesson really, really early on because navigating my mother's addiction and getting custody of my brother um, at 21 um, and uh, me and him not really having any support system other than, um, shit, he was 11, so I won't say he was my support system, <laughs> but um, it, we, I didn't have anybody. I didn't really have anybody to help. I, I got into survival sex work um, just to take care of him. And it was... Um, it was a it was after my whole teenage years was also kind of being like the mother hen to my grandmother to my mother did my grandmother dealing with her my mom's addiction and and then my grandmother getting an addiction it just started to be this thing where i was just this i was the center even as a the teenager trying to juggle all these relationships and so by the time i get to 25 baby a bitch was over that shit and so um, that's when I told my brother, my brother was 17. My mom, I we were staying with my mom and my mom relapsed again. And like we were in this house, lights was off. She hadn't paid the bills. Um, even though I was prostituting and giving her the money to pay the bills, she wasn't taking the money to the landlord. <laughs> she was smoking it up. And so in that scenario, um, the, the fucking landlord came with the sheriffs and told us to get the fuck out. And in that moment, I begged her, like, yo, give me a couple of days so I can figure something else because I didn't know any of this was going on. And so in that moment, I said to my brother, I said, you're 17 now. And honestly, I took you when I was 11 and I'm going to always be there for you. But I have to get the fuck out of here without you being a burden for me. And 
if you can if you can figure it out right now at 17, I hope that you can do that. And I don't I, I, I've given all that I can to this situation and you're going to have to figure it out. And my brother said, you have given me all you got and I can figure it out now that I'm 17. And he went and stayed with his homeboy and figured it out and went to college and now he got degrees and doing his thing. But I couldn't, I had to choose Diamond. And I picked up and moved from Jackson, Mississippi to Houston with $57 in my pocket and figured this shit out and here I am now. So I learned a while ago that there is a time when I can care for people, but I have to put Diamond first. I have to fill Diamond's cup up first and whatever spills out, I can give it to everybody else. And I can freely give that and I can give it all till it runs dry, but this cup has to be full. I can't, I can't empty this cup. It has to be full so that I can be in the, the highest, best quality mental capacity for me. And then I can take everybody, take care of everybody else. And I learned that really early on. And so um, I do feel like a captive maternal, but I feel like somebody who has learned how to balance it because baby, this this bullshit is not um, gonna run me dry. It's not gonna run, run run me down to a nub. I am sharp. I am. I, I will take a trip on your motherfucking ass. I will. <laughs> I will um, buy me something. I will go. I will cut this phone off. Cut this computer off. I will do something that puts me in a place where I can get my mind together and love on me a little bit. Bring trade over for a couple of days. Whatever I need to do, lay up and feel that love and feel that feeling, so I can get my mind back right. And then I'll come back and be ready for whatever I need to tackle. And so I think that's important for us as captive maternals because when we stay, and that's another thing, when we stabilize our bubble. When we stabilize all the people around us, it's just for the state to use them. It's just for the state to exploit their labor. It's just for the state to still be pressuring them and fucking them over and taking their money and using them. So we're stabilizing it for the bigger picture to even um, be even better and create that, make their foundation even stronger. So of course I'm not gonna burn myself out for them motherfuckers. But anyway. Last topic, we know we got to talk about this relationship between Uncle Clifford and Little Murder. So, look, because we haven't really got into the ins and outs of that. So this is going to be our last little hurrah on this topic. I want you to share with us how that intimate scene where Little Clifford and Little Murder's talking at the bar and he's telling her that... um, we're, I'm making this decision to choose love over this dream that I thought I had and blah, 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 blah. And she was like, nigga, what the fuck? You scared to be the son and blah, 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 blah. And he like, nah, motherfucker, you scared for me to love you because the son find a motherfucker in their darkest of shadows. So what's going on? Like, you know, they both calling each other motherfucking bluff. You scared. Scared. I ain't no punk now. Oh, that you are. But what I'm saying is, you scared of the sun. In fact, you scared you is the sun. You scared you're going to make it. That's not what it is, Cliff. Well, your ass can't sit up there and say it's because you want to cook breakfast for your and her grandmother every day. Or that you want to be playing these crowds up in Chuckalisa the rest of your life. Boy, what ain't got into your head? Look, my decision is my decision. That ain't no decision. That's impulse. 
which is the sister of stupidity. You the fucking one that's scared. Shay, you pushing me away from me when you really pushing me away from you. You pushing me away because you don't know you worthy of shit. Worthy of being took care of and all the protection and plates and yams and chicken and dressing, all this fucking love, Cliff. I sell fantasy for work. So in real life, I need real life. Outside that paradise room, outside my room, outside my fucking closet. Marcus, I just turned 40, and you is half my age. What the hell do you know about some love? Find you in the darkest of shadows. So how did y'all feel seeing that? How did y'all feel about it? Unpack with me. I felt called out. Because <laughs> 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 I've been I've been in the situation. Um, let, let me say this. In the in a world where trans women and femmes get the reputation of being the ones to expose guys to and to air them out, I want to reaffirm that that's like a last ditch effort. And I feel confident saying that most of us that are in relationships with this head appearing man, whether they're in the closet or they whatever their situation is, is unknown, we are some of the most overprotective um, of our romantic partners because we know how fierce the world can be when they found out that a uh, man is trans amorous or trans attracted. And I've been in so many situations where I have, especially with me being in the legal field now and just me having interactions with men of power, or, you know, I'm usually the ones to be like, well, maybe we shouldn't be public because we know we live in a world where people can use your trans attraction against you. And I don't, and as somebody that's in a relationship with you, as somebody that genuinely cares about you. I want the best for you. I want you to take advantage of all the opportunities that you can. So it shows that how we show up in in partnerships with our men that we are loving and we're protective of them. But I also like that we got to see the other side. Being being a trans woman and just when you accept the reality of the, the cards that you're dealt and being somebody that's, that is primarily attracted to cis men, you kind of, it's kind of like, you kind of program yourself to beat yourself to the punch. Like, you always had to set in your mind the, the shoe is going to dry. And I think that can be a good thing because they are not vulnerable. Yeah, dating can be dangerous for us. It can be, whether it be physically or emotionally, but particularly in these last couple of years, sometimes it can make you miss out on those like opportunities where somebody, where even if you come across a thousand guys that are just being men, you do come across those one, two, or three that are genuinely interested in you as a person. But because you're because your your automatic is to be like, no, shut it down. Don't want to feel it. Have to protect myself. I've been in situations where I, I have missed out on men that genuinely wanted to get to know me, genuinely wanted to be a vibe, and I kind of pushed them away because of my because of inconvenience. Maybe it was because of my own fear, 
Maybe it was because I felt like I didn't deserve it. Um, because it is scary. It is scary. So I'm glad. And I've had men, I'm thinking of one situation when I was in law school with some banshee piece that the relationship wasn't going to work, but he was really feeling me. And I remember one time we had cut up and he spent the night and he was like, can I take you? I just want to take you to breakfast. I want to, like, I want to hang out. And I was like, no. One, because this is like, even though you, you're confident as a trans person, those insecurities can still be there in the back of your mind. I'm like, why me? And then I was going through chemo at the time. So I was, so, but he really was feeling me. But I say, I say that to say that I want, I want more trans friends to just take a chance on love. And when you, in, in your gut of guts, when you feel the moment, take more chances to live in the moment, take more chances to, and I know how dangerous it is. I know how scary it is, but at the end of the day, we still are human. We still need those connections. We are still desirable. And now I'm at a point where I try to live in the moment when I'm out in public and the pieces giving me googly eyes, I might have the conversation because I deserve it. And I deserve to go on that ride and feel those feelings and emotions too. So I'm glad that I'm so that that scene was just a re a reaffirmation that I'm moving on the right path. So thank you, thank you for that single story. Baby, the Pisces in me was in tears. Um and also I was really afraid because I'm like, there's so many young girls who are watching this that thinks that I hope this is not igniting girls to be like, to wait for this moment. Cause though that moment doesn't always come where they have that revelation, where um, this person is putting, putting pressure on you and it's genuine and they've done the shadow work. And I think um, uh, Brianna mentioned this earlier, outside of you, Little Murder worked through a lot of this shit with other people that was not Cliff, like preparing Little Murder to be ready to love Cliff the way Cliff deserved but didn't even seem like she was like I don't even want that right um and I think there's a naming of there seems there was a multi we talk about how any system of harm can impact the 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 collective impact to multi-generation you had from Clifford's grandmother who, who seems to not have you know mama had love lovers but not the grandest love or, or or someone who was still there what happened to Clifford's mother and, and hearing that moment and, and that I think that exchange between we haven't mentioned that that exchange between Clifford and um and his mother, the spirit of his mother, like naming like, yes, this happened, but I don't regret taking the chance on love. I think that was real. And even in that space of Clifford's non-binary identity, some of the most meaningful moments for me have been when I feel like I've been I've experienced being my mother's daughter, although my mother has been gone for many years, but it's experience of like feeling like the oldest daughter, those moments where you get something that the oldest daughter gets, or it's kind of an inheritance, um, those things that, you know, that, that add to that. So I think you had a collective impact of Clifford not seeing any woman in his life get loved like that on top of being who Clifford sees themselves as, and then murder being ready. I was like, there was a lot of work that happened to make this happen. There was a lot of there was a lot of there was a lot of things, and so I was like, "Ooh, I hope this doesn't make a whole bunch of girls to look over to their nigga that ain't shit and be like, "Ooh, one day you're gonna be like Little Murder because baby, <laughs> that was like that was that was like that one piece." And then it was 
to pivot to what Brianna Brianna said, I moved to Atlanta for a lot of things, but I also moved to Atlanta because I want to date. For some reason, I don't have a problem getting on biggest stages in the world, tipping out to restaurants with my friends, all of that. But a guy will ask me to go somewhere with them, and I'm I'm like, no. I'm the one saying I don't want to go out with them. And I, I was like, I need to figure that out. I don't know what that is. And I think I'll also transition late in life. I'm 40. I started my transition at 38. And so um, I, that I've been deeply rooted in that everything, everything in our life has to happen inside of a closed space. Um, don't even ask or want it to live under the sun, for lack of a better term. Um, and and so I think that was absolutely a possibility model. I think it was a call in. I I also think it's going. It, I think a lot of folks like Little Murder finally are seeing themselves in a way that isn't the most trifling. And the only time I've seen something like that before was Moonlight, where it was like these men were just figuring their things out, and it wasn't perfect, but it wasn't. You know, even when Little Murder talked about as a formerly incarcerated person. All of my, from 18 to 27, any sexual interaction, any love I experienced was behind a prison wall. And you only hear about our love being seen and like people being raped and blood on the knife and all of that. Even when Murder talked about his relationships in there, it was joy and peace. And it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a seedy discussion. And so um, I, I also thought there's a lot of p- brothers that are seeing themselves for the first time. They're seeing possibility models, huh? Maybe it's like also, maybe these, you know, you gotta see it to believe it. How many times have men who are attracted to someone who is not a cis person seen examples of them that are healthy, well-rounded, um, and a person that's just trying to be better, but focus on loving their person? Outside a little murder and um uh uh what's what's that what's that boy from uh from from uh Moonlight? Uh Keon, uh, what was that boy's name? I, I saw those two examples. Uh, yeah, I, I saw those two examples in my current kind of sphere. And I guess I don't watch the shy, so I, I need to peep that out. But I haven't really seen positive examples like that. So those were the things in my mind. Uh, one of the things that kind of like resonated with me during this whole call and it kind of showed up in the background uh, was the post that's over Diamond's right shoulder that says, no, you are lovable and desi- and deserve love, right? And that's kind of like one of the first things I, I kind of see in like the conversation talking about Uncle Clifford. And I think Dominique kind of like brought this up in like what she just said a moment ago about her being able to stand on all of these stages, right? And be this person, but did in her love life and for like the kind of like shrink in, like, no, like I'm okay, I'm good. And I kind of see that in Uncle Clifford, right? I see the fact that Uncle Clifford is able to stand on this stage in the pink and handle himself, go out to the funerals and go to the barbershop and go to these different places where Uncle Clifford can exist, right? But not having this sense of normalcy to be able to exist in totality in relationships is still unfamiliar. And 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 for me, for a long time, as a person who described themselves as um, somebody who was blonde, right? Like, oh, guys are trying to talk to me and I am so aloof. I am just so uh, unaware that a nigga is trying to talk to me. And I don't necessarily think that that was the case as I get older, as I do that shadow work that we talked about. I think it, it was more so of not finding self-desirable to other people, um, not being 
you know, that person that people lust after or want to be with. Because truth be told, I pulled the piece of trade in the corner store. Simply, he just staring at me and I'm like, well, hey, hey, what's up? What's good? Can I? In front of about four or five people at the corner store. Okay. And so it's, it's, we, I feel like when you're able to like stand in this, in this totality, like, and accept self, right? For whatever self is, where you are, what you have, what you look like, whatever size you is, I think that instilled that level of confidence where Vernon is able to say, well, no, niggas really be flirting with me and I really be seeing it and I'm going to flirt back with them. And, and, I, and I think that's where this, this thing lies for Uncle Clifford currently. I think Uncle Clifford is like aware that Little Murder is, you know, enameled and enchanted by him, right? Uh, but I think that this love that Little Murder is offering, or fuck Little Murder, Big Murder is offering, uh, is totally unfamiliar to what Uncle Clifford has been accustomed to. Um, and again, as this this femme non-binary trans person that exists um, in this realm of Uncle Clifford, that resonates with me on, on a multitude of levels. And so, with still some unpacking to do on my own to be able to exist in these places, I can understand how Uncle Clifford is still able to maneuver in and outside of the pink and still have these reservations in love, but still recognize that Uncle Clifford is, you know, deserving of love in all things. And mm-hmm. and hope in season three, Uncle Clifford is able to see that as well, right? That there is this growth that, no, this is just, society holding me back these thoughts that i am um circling in my head that is causing this distance from me and relationship and love and i i hope that those barriers are removed Mm. who's a possibility model for the possibility model is all that's running through my head right now Mm. you know who who's a possible like like that captive maternal another layer of that is we're usually always the first. Come on. Who's 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 the like? If you're always the first, then my goodness, you know what I'm saying? It, it's it's hard. The the scene with Little Clifford, there is with um <laughs> Uncle Clifford and Little Murder. Uh, there is, I, I'm turning into that person that Clifford was. I've never been that, but I'm turning into that as I get older. When I was younger, I now Dominique brought up that she's a Pisces. I'm a I'm a I'm a pure Pisces, not on nobody's cusp. I'm right in the middle. Pure Pisces. And what that means to me is I am a hopeless romantic. So anybody who gives me a chance of love, I'm like, let's go. <laughs> it is never it is never I in my younger years I was never in a sense of warning and or sense of um I I, I was always show me oh you want to love me show me prove it to me do this do this test 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 this test this test oh you let's go to where let's go let's tip on to the 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 straight club where all the niggas is gonna be your friends gonna be let's go arm to arm. I'm, I was that type of bitch and in my younger years, but as I get older and have more things to lose and, and I'm getting, and, and more things to me to be insecure about. When I was younger, I thought I was the baddest bitch walking. <laughs> when I'm older and I'm, I'm my, you know, I'm getting, a, I'm aging a little bit more, you know, 
um, coming into my auntie body a little bit more when I when I have things that I'm a little bit more insecure about. It's making me a little bit more mm, worried and da da da. When I was younger, I could be you know a little vain and egotistical, especially with men. And so, you, you honey, you gonna have to prove to me that you that you that you love me, and you're gonna prove it in these particular ways. But I can I remember having in my thirties this moment where I was thinking the things that Clifford said. Oh, you're ready. You think you're ready for this. Are you sure you're ready for this? And and saying that. I don't remember having those feelings when I was younger at all. I, I was I was I want you, you tell me you love me, show me. I was I was calling niggas bluff. And so I would not be in a situation um like that in my younger years, but definitely as older. And I see um little murder as to me, one of the most well-rounded characters that I have seen ever, because he is a poet, um, he is a um, lover, a killer, a good friend to women and men. Um, he has done dealt with so much trauma and still has the sensitivity to love and be fearless and 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 that. It feels unrealistic, but like I said, like you just said, Dominique, who is the possibility model? We need those kind of characters. Yes, do I want shit to be real? I want you to show real life circumstances and situation. Absolutely. But I also want you to show me the future. I want you to, this little murder ain't for me. I know many a little murders. I done seen them all my motherfucking life. I done seen them all my life. So I know them. I don't need to see them. I know what they look like. I know what they feel. I'm the shoulder that they they have been crying on for 40 years, 30 years. <laughs> I am the I am the I am the person that they call. I am I am the I am the motherfucker who porch they come on with the blood on their shoulders. I have been that many times. So I don't need to see that. That is for that is for them. That is not for me. That is for them. That possibility model is for the niggas who love me. Who Nick the niggas who love y'all? That is for them to see that this there's another way to handle us. There's another way to be with us. There's another way to um, navigate this space that is in the sun, that is in the light, that is strong, that is masculine, that is that is on your own terms, that is being a man on your own terms. And so for me. That is what the power is. That's what's the power in that scene. That was the that's the power that got me in my Pisces tears while I'm watching it. That gave me chill bumps. That gave me that moment of oh my god, I have never seen this. I've never seen this in my life on television. And I dreamed of this since I was fucking 13 when I transitioned. I dreamed of seeing this type of this type of character. Yes, I've seen the I've we've seen the girls. Same thing I felt seeing you know, trans characters on TV, like, oh my God, this is one of the girls. I felt that feeling, but I haven't seen one of the boys that I knew I could love. Mm. That that looks like men that I dated, that navigated the world like men that I dated. That that not only would let me top them, but honey, they'll shoot a motherfucking nigga for me. Who 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 when they navigating the world with my uncles, with my quote unquote alpha male uncles, my uncles will say, oh, I didn't even, I know, I, he like a regular ass nigga. Yeah, because he is. <laughs> and so for me, 
I feel like he is he is what they need to see. And that's what that's why it was powerful to me. And I love that. So what do y'all think is going to happen um, in season three? What do y'all hope for the future of this show? Well, first, it needs to get renewed. Star, stop playing with us. <laughs> Come on. Renewal for three, four, and five. Stop playing with us. Um, in regards to their relationship, people are saying that it was a dream sequence because Uncle Clifford did take the pills from Big L. So I'm hoping that it's not a hallucination because that would be really late to get our hopes up high and drop them like that. What I'm hoping that they do is that they actually show, like, continue on this path and show the realities and the, the struggles of what it means to, or from the perspective of a trans amorous man, to be open in a relationship like this and, like, kind of show them trying to curate their love on an internal level, but show the struggles that they have to to push up against being in the larger world, being out there like this, and then like working through that and pushing through that together. And also having the support of the people around them again, so we can have these possibility models again, so we can create a world where the first thing that these men don't have to turn to is enacting violence on the, the trans women and things in their life. So I, I hope that if we're going to go down the storyline um, just show the, the regular struggles of just trying to be in a relationship and trying to be out. And even though that you're going to go through something on the other side, there is love, there's intimacy, there's community and that, you know, ultimately, um, it's worth it. And also show, um, Uncle Clifford just work, being pushed to work through some of her insecurities as well, too. So that's what I really want to see if they, if they're going to still be in a relationship. Okay, so first of all, we know it's not no dream sequence, right? Because Autumn Knight, Haley Colton, uh, Lakeisha Savage will not be returning uh, for season three. So we know it's not a dream sequence, just right off the back with that. So, you know, my hope and wishes, like I said previously, um, and just like Brianna said, it's like whatever um, issues around love that Uncle Clifford um, has that um, they are able to let go of those that like the, the things say over your shoulder time that they know that they are you know lovable and they are deserving as love of love right um, and I, I, I want to see that grow and I want to see that flourish I, I you know we, I do think that there is going to be some dynamic of violence that does take place and I don't mean you know um, big murder against Uncle Clifford but we know that the uh, I cannot think his name. The, the other guy, Nook, or whatever his name is, have found have some suspicion that um, Big Murder killed Old Boy. At, you know the, the episode before the main before that. Um, you know, We're so I science. definitely think I definitely think you know there is going to be some type of violence that show up that will put Uncle Clifford in the middle of that and maybe have to make some kind of decision around like you know do I need, want to be. And not do I need to be, but I have a choice now of do I want to be uh, with murder because of some of the things uh, that he is, you know, positioning himself in and, and for my safety and, you know, and, you know, me building this business that I just got back into my possession. You know, how do I maintain those things? Uh, and so I do think 
that is going to show up in the next season. But I do hope and I wish that Uncle Clifford allows themselves to love um, and to be in love and be vulnerable um, with whatever dynamic that them and and, and Big Murder will share. One, yes, give them the renewal immediately and let's get this new season quickly. Um, I hope that they keep making Black folks mad because I think in Black folks' anger, at least they are feeling and learning something. Um, I saw that video from Plies today. I'm like, boy, please. Like, you you didn't turn on that show and just realize what it was given. Like, that some of these insincere, um, shocking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so gagged. I'm like, child, boo. Two, I think in all of these things we've mentioned, I want to continue to see the cis, the cis black women be a part of supporting things being healthy amongst them. Because I think that is a, I think that's a big change maker. Like if everyone around murder was giving him, because if you, if you remember when they panned to that group shot, it was that one girl, I don't know if it was Toy, but it was that one girl that was, her face was all twisted, the bitch's face was all twisted up. And she had, she, she the least one that should have had her face twisted up. But if everybody was given that, you know what I'm saying? I'm not sure that, like, there, there, there had to be a, a safety environment created. And we talk a lot about many of the things we see Black men do when it comes to harming Black trans women, when it comes to harming uh, Black non-binary folks, a lot of it is predicated on this I, on, on these kind of spaces of transphobia and and and, and homophobia yeah. that's ex- exacerbated by the things that cishet Black women say um, that either is a challenge for them to step into their masculinity or is taken as a unspoken expectation of what masculinity is. So I want to see them continue to grow and not in an after school special way, but just by being, which I think is great. Being possibility models for them. Yes, ma'am. And I don't 100% want this to look perfect because what we also see a lot in media is like, when the love happens, usually, and if it's like too healthy, that person becomes on the back burner and it's kind of pushed to the side. I want to see Little Murder face with some of the things that maybe we've talked about the things that Murder has done. Cliff has lived a lot. What Murder going to do when, when Corbin show up and want his ass whooped on the porch because he need his fix, right? Wow. Like Mama has had... He need to ask him about things. things. Right? And, and what we also see is a lot of these boys will want us and then want us to be these perfect housewives when they get us. And then they don't want to take all, all of us, all that we were before. Come on so now. What, I, I, I want to see that. I want to see little murder challenge of, okay, nigga, you wanted this. Okay, I'm going I'm to have to go in here and, and, and beat this boy's ass naked to get this little money. You good with that? And, <laughs> and I, I want to see some of that too. Shout out to Tony Bryce who played in Shout out to her. She she invoked the spirit of film queens from the 80s. She gave me everything I need. I'm praying for an expansion of her character. The one that was snorting coke with the girl? Yeah. The one fell on the floors. Because if she's able to expand her storyline and like just the stuff that happens when you're a girl and sex work and the type of clients, like that would burn a whole nother the show. So shout out to Tony Bryce. Shout out to the Ace Boom Coons. Um, I hope that y'all we get I hope we get more of a peek into Uncle Clifford's life outside of the pink and a more of a glimpse into that support system so we can so we can see more of those characters as well too. But shout out to Tony. And also even though she's non trans, 
I think Pastor Mayor Pastor is going to be some type of savior next season because because she's in that mayoral position. I see her being a savior specifically for Keyshawn, and she was kind of like the the dark horse of the season because she was. I ended up living for her towards the end. So um, yeah, I, I, I need a season three. Meow. Meow. And I will say the role of Nivea was specifically written for Tony Bryce. She had actually auditioned to be Uncle Clifford. And when she did not get that role, the writer specifically wrote the role of Nivea for her. Nice. I love that. And Monroe Monroe was on this. Monroe and Monroe is on, on there too. Season. Shout out to Monroe. And and shout out to Nico, who plays Uncle Clifford for speaking up when they're supposed to and shutting up in other spaces. Because we, because Nico identifies as a cis queer black person. And there is this trend of cis black queer men who are talking about trans and non-binary issues. And I've seen them like- David Johns. <coughs> David Johns. <coughs> so, 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 so I, we've had several trans day of remembrances and visibilities and mama ain't been on no panel. Um, and Nico speaks really, well about Uncle Clifford when I've seen them speak. So love, love Nico, Monroe, and Tony. Like it's it's a moment. Uh, but also before I have to go down in mm-hmm. because Katori well Patrick Ian Pope reshared my tweet about this. For season three, please get my sister Diamond Styles, make her the official paid podcast for season three of oh, the Katori Hall, Patrick Ian Pope. Make sure when you do this video, you create a clip. Period. Period. Marsha's played the official podcast so we can do an additional deep dive. You have somebody that has is from Jackson, Mississippi, from the South. Is the podcast. Like, come on. Come, like, let's grow the universe, y'all. Come on. All come on the things. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope that we see everything that y'all just said. I only thing I would add, I want to see the healing process between Pastor Woodbine, Mercedes, and Mercedes' daughter, and Terrica. Mm-hmm. I want to see them navigate through that sludge of, because at, at the core, I think Mercedes is a mama's girl, and I do think her mother cares for her. They just have been going, they just, you know, they're just surviving, and sometimes you're doing toxic shit, and sometimes there's that toxic kind of mother-daughter thing. And so I think this, I love the abortion conversation that they had mm-hmm. with Terrica and um, Mercedes. It just was a beautiful moment. Right on time. That was right on time and perfect. So I want to see them um, work through that sludge and work through that dark and that history to turn out. I do want her to be, I want her to be a savior. I want her to redeem herself from that 20, that stealing that 20,000 motherfucking dollars. Whatever, whatever money she stole from her daughter. I want her to redeem herself and not just by giving Terrica to her. I know that that's kind of what was, you know, this is a gesture, but I wanted to, I want them to work through that. And, um, you know, I, I love the queer relationship between the client's wife and Mercedes. I want to mm-hmm. see more complicated. I, I want, I need, we need some masculine of center women in this show. I want to see some studs get added. I, I want to oh, yes. see, yes. see some studs because studs are a part of the 
or I have never been to a strip club that a, st a stud wasn't close to the orbit, either with a girlfriend that's a stripper or somewhere. So studs are somewhere in this vicinity, so I need them to be a part of the narrative um, when it comes to the storyline. I think that'd be a perfect addition to um, since since um, Queen Light Skin Shady Bitch is leaving. Let's bring in you mm -hmm. know a stud girl to um, kind of shake it up and see what the tea is gonna be. Kishan needs to take her power back too. Like she, yeah, absolutely. The reason she wasn't successful is because it wasn't her idea. Season right. one, they built her up. Season two, they wore her out. I need to see her step into her power and do, not only with Derek but her shady ass family. I want to see an episode dedicated to her beating her stepmother's ass. <laughs> I need her to touch. Her. I need her to touch that stepmama a couple touch times. Touch and receive. <laughs> I need her to touch her. I need her to touch her. Keyshawn needs to stop playing games. You are more. You have so many more options than you know, but you're sitting here trying to rest on your your pretty privilege and your and that's not enough. Like being pretty without strategy, without nothing more, you're always going to be in the same situation. So I really hope that her being in jail and Diamond not being able to save her is the wake up call that she needs to like kind of take her power back and be that good. Mm. So. And Diamond and Diamond need to show some dick next season. I know you about to close, sister, but we done seen everybody else's pieces in a multitude of ways, and I live for it. I say as a man. But baby, if this show is, you all don't show us this man. And, and y'all showed the dick hard. Let's be clear. The two instances where you showed the boys good, we deserve that. So I'm going to go to IMBD and I'm going to do all the things. But y'all got to give us some meat from Tyler next season, or it's gonna be a problem. Tyler and and May too. Ah, I need all of that. <laughs> Listen, because the one that Autumn Night buddy was having it with, bitch, oh. when he lay back on that bed and then put, I had to rewind it because it was dark. But it I was just love. I needed some three D glasses for that. He made he made the room dark from how he released it. My God, <laughs> so y'all just. Y'all know he from Indianapolis, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, he is. He, yes, his mother was a Release mayor. He's a cracking baby. I was, I was like, hold on, he from Indianapolis, and he my age. What is happening? I, but I looked. His mama is a mayor, and he's into white girls, so that's why he wasn't in my circle. But anyway, hey, Carpet <laughs> looked mighty meaty too, child. We just didn't get the full ensemble, but. That Carpet <laughs> looked mighty meaty um, in that. Oh, now listen. It was now. a girthy set. It was a girthy <laughs> set. I passed. And Wody is from Memphis. Wody is from Memphis, so you know that's giving a set as well. I think it's liberate all the meat on P Valley season three. Liberate that, all yes, the meat. Yes, release the meat. Release the meat. <laughs> release the trade, yes. Well, I want to thank all of y'all for helping me unpack this episode. Y'all know I love all of y'all down. And this has been a powerful season for me. So I can't wait to see what and share this experience with y'all next. Dominique, can you tell the people where they can find you? You can find me at DominiqueMorgan.com. And on my socials, it's the Dominique Morgan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Brianna, tell the folks where they can find you. Y'all already know Girl Down Podcast. Um, we're on summer hiatus, but we'll be returning this fall. 
um, Instagram, Brianna J. Esquire, Facebook, Brianna um, A. Jenkins, Twitter, Brianna J. Esquire, a.k.a. Fabulous J. Peg, and y'all already know. Hey, and Vernus, tell them where they can find you, darling. So unlike the rest of the girls, I don't use my full name. So you can find me on Instagram and uh, TikTok now at V Fierce. That's V-F-E-E-R-C-E. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Vernice McFarlane. Website coming soon. Um, and when all is filled, you can find me at The Mahogany Project. That's The Mahogany Project Inc. on all social media platforms. And I am Diamond Styles. Thank y'all all for listening. And I will put all of those links down in the bottom. Make sure y'all hashtag Marsha's Play and let us know what y'all think about this episode. Join the conversation and let us know what you think. We will see y'all next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Ah! Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's Plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We will be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamond, S-T-Y-L-Z, at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Every little thing's going to be all right. Oh, don't you worry about a thing. Baby, it's a thing.